Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Suddenly, Sutford became aware that he was not alone in the office. 
and looked up to see a Mexican grandstand standing just inside the doorway, uneasily twisting his hat with nervous fingers. What's the matter, buddy? Want to see me about something? Si, uh, senor. I'm finding a man lying down in the road. I think I'd better come here and tell you. A man lying in the road? Where? Oh, two. Maybe three miles from here. It's a dirt road, not much cars. He's not. I, I think he's pretty pretty sick. He might be dead. Who is he? Anyone you know? No, he's a dark man. He's what you call a Hindu. I think maybe he's dead. That's no good course enough to look good, though. Why not? His life is still. He makes me have fear. All right. Wait a minute while I put through a phone call. Let me drive out and have a look at this fellow. Put me through to Sheriff George Campbell's office in El Centro. Will you please, operator? Okay. See here, buddy. This better not be a cock and bull story you're telling me, because if it is, I... County Sheriff's Oh, Sheriff Campbell? No, he isn't in just now. This is Under Sheriff Rodney Clark. Oh, hello, Clark. This is Petfoot up at Calipatria. Oh, yes. There's a Mexican here in the office who's just found a man's body lying in the road near town. He says he thinks the man's a Hindu. I thought maybe you might want to send somebody up here or come up yourself. Uh, no, I'm picking up Deputy Sheriff Ike Holmes right away. We're driving out with this Mexican to see what we can learn. Uh, okay, Bedford, you go ahead and investigate. I'll uh, probably be up there by the time you get back. Right. All right, buddy. Let's go take a look at your dead man. Going into town, 
had offered to give us a ride in an automobile that belonged to one of his helpers. It looked good to us, and so he said yes. And then this fellow Pedro drove you into town, eh? No. He went with us. But the boy who owned the car drove. Hey, do you remember the boy's name? I think they called him Prudencio. Anyway, we got into the car and were just ready to drive away from the ranch when... Come on, Prudencio. Let's go. Don't you think we'd better wait for Leon? Leon? No, let him get to town some you other way. You make a promise for him. He's trying to leave without me. Hurry up, then. You keep us waiting. Where are they two Mr. Singsby box seat? Well, I think you try to leave me behind. No, we're not trying to leave you. You get in the middle here, between me and Prudencio. Oh. Now, let's go. Suitcases back there getting your way, Mr. Singh? No, not at all. We are very comfortable. Are you boys to take us into the bank? Oh, that's all right, Mr. C. We'll be back at the ranch in a few minutes. I want you to figure out how much money you owe to hand, Pedro. I'm going to pay off this afternoon. I uh, already figured it out, Mr. C. Good. I have it here in this little book. Twenty-six boys working. Each boy make one cent a pound. And they pick... One cent a pound? No one said these boys would get one cent a pound. Oh, yes. You told me I should tell the boys that they make one cent a pound. Yes, Mr. Singh. Pedro say one cent a pound. That's impossible. If I pay you so much, I make nothing. We don't know nothing about that. I think it's the price like I tell you and you pay. Not one sea rancher in the valley could pay you like that. The market price of peas is very bad this year, awful bad. Just the same. I tell my Filipino boys what they make for picking, and they're going to get it. You can't cheat us, Mr. Singh. But I didn't tell you to make any such price. Didn't I tell you, Prudencio, that Mr. Singh say one cent a pound? Yes. That's what you tell me, too, Prudencio. Say, you're going past the rent. Where are you taking us? We want to talk to you about what you owe before we go back. So we take you up a little road we know, where it's quiet. You take us back to the ranch, or else you stop the car and let us out. Not until we fix this thing up, Mr. Singh. If you don't stop the car, I'll make you stop oh, it. Oh, no, you better be quiet and not try to do nothing. I'll show you that I mean what I say. Well, he could eat for them, so, so you would try that thing. You have to go, Pedro, shoot him. No. Open the door of the car. Throw him out of the car. Now, and we'll start looking for your partner right away. Mm-hmm. 
Holmes returned to the substation from his, from his interview with Sham Singh, he found under Sheriff Rodney Clark and Deputy Sheriff Elliott waiting for him. Then, as they were discussing the details of the crime... So it looks like our best bet is to locate that Auburn sedan, Clark. Yeah, the sooner we get started, the better. Uh, did Sham Singh know the names of those three Filipinos who held him up and shot him? Well, he knows their first names, that's all. Prudencio, Pedro, and Leon. Pedro seemed to be the ringleader. Uh, that's not much good. All three are common Filipino names. Well, let's... Oh, wait a minute. Looks like one of those two Japanese who just came in wants to talk to you, Holmes. Do you want to see me? Oh, yes, please. Very important. All right, spill it. My friend and I are finding very strange things. We are finding lonesome automobile having dead man. A dead man, you say? Oh, yes, please. Same being very dead. Now tell me, was the dead man a Hindu? Also, you already know, eh? Well, not exactly. Uh, what kind of a car was it? Automobile being open. Him have license plate from Arizona. Also have three suitcases in back. We're taking good look. Uh, so it seems. Uh, can you show us where you found this car? Oh, so we can show you all right. Well, boys, this is what I was afraid of. Yes, we've got murder against those three Filipinos now. There it is, boys. There's the car we're looking for. Those Japanese gave us a good steer. Yeah, it looks like those Filipinos hit a blind road. That irrigation canal running across there only has a footbridge over it. Uh, I think I know what happened. They meant to take a road about a half a mile farther up the highway. It looks just like this one when you turn off onto it, but uh, I guess they were excited and turned off too soon. Well, here we are. Let's see what we can find out. Well, that's sure a break. They're hitting the wrong road and having to abandon the car. Well, let's have a look in the back seat here. Hmm. The poor fellow's dead, all right. Hmm. It'll be a good idea to open those suitcases and see what's inside. Yeah. I'll hand them out to you. All right. While you're looking in them, I'll see if they left the registration in the car clock. Mm -hmm. Nothing on the outside of these suitcases to tell us anything. No initials or travel stickers. Maybe when I open them up. Well, the registration's still here. Gives the name of Prudencio Ramdaris as the owner. Well, that checks with what Sham Singh told me. Well, at least we know who one of them is. Uh, there's nothing in these suitcases but clothing, toilet articles. Uh, not a thing has any mark of identification on it. I'm afraid we won't get any clues from these. The only thing I can see to do is go across that footbridge over the irrigation canal and see if we can pick up their tracks on the other side. But night closed in on under Sheriff Clark and his two deputies without sight of the fugitives. Temporarily defeated, they turned back to town, taking the murder car with them, intent on returning in the early morning with horses to continue the manhunt. And then on their arrival at the Calipatria substation, an old prospector came forward to meet them. Howdy, gentlemen. They're coming to town here less than an hour ago to get some supplies, and the first thing I heard about was this here murder. Uh, yes, you don't happen to know anything about it, do you? Well, not about the murder, no. Uh, but I think I know something about where the fellers is that done it. Oh, fine. Let's have it. Where are they? Uh, I come into town uh, from the Chocolate Mountains, uh, using the old uh, Beals Well Road. Uh, just where the trail hits the range, I seen three pair of uh, footprints. 
I reckon they was made by the men you're looking for. Great, Scotty. Why, it doesn't seem possible they could have gotten that far on foot, even with a five-hour start. Well, just the same. That's where I seen them prints. Looks like they might be making for Palo Verde over on the Colorado River. But you didn't see anything of the men themselves? Nope, just the tracks while I was driving along. You're absolutely sure of what you saw? Sure. I ain't so old, my eyes has gone sour on me. I know what I seen. Hardly anyone ever travels that road, Klaus. It's 60 miles long from Nyland on this edge to Palo Verde on the Arizona line. And only one water hole along the road. Then there's a mighty slim chance of they're picking up a ride, huh? Practically no chance at all. Then this is our chance, boys. We're driving into Palo Verde along the Bealswell Road tonight. I'll split the reward with you. Leaving Holmes in charge of the substation and taking Constable Tetford in his place, under Sheriff Clark and Deputy Elliott made the journey to television. It was midnight when they reached their destination, for they had encountered no sign of the fugitives. Meanwhile, Clark contacted the Mexican passport photographer and obtained a print of every Filipino he had photographed for passport purposes. Clark and Tetford then presented the handful of photographs to Tom Singh at the county hospital. Uh, Mr. Singh... We have reason to believe that the men who attacked you and killed your partner have their pictures among this group. Would you mind looking through them and see if you can identify any of the lot? Sure. I don't know these men in an instant. There's one of them. Let me see. Not this one. Not this. Not this. Ah, here's another. Let me look for more. Uh, here, here. Let me find the rest of these out for you so you can see them easier. There. There now. No. No. No, he has them all. That man is a third. You're uh, sure of these identifications, Mr. Fink? I'm positive. Well, Thetford, they all agree on the same men. Yeah. This is the one who drove. The one they call Prudencio. Uh, yes, we know. Prudencio Rondares. We found his name on the car registration. And this one is Pedro. And uh, gives his name as Gavino Manzano here, but we'll soon check up on that. He was the bad one. The one who had the gun. This other is the one they call Leon. Uh-huh. It gives his name here as Ponte Leon Rengor. Anyway, we know the men we want now, and thank you very much for your cooperation, Mr. Singh. <laughs> Once, copies of the photographs were mailed out to peace officers in California and Arizona. It was soon learned that all three men had been arrested at some previous date, and fingerprint records then followed the photographs. Meanwhile, three days of intensive search among the Filipino camps revealed no clue to the future. It was the last concluded that they had been successful in eluding the cordon of officers. But several days later, a Filipino was brought into Clark's office. Here's a boy who says he's something to tell us about Gavino Monzano, Clark. Yes. Uh, what's your name, lad? Enrico Garcia, sir. All right. Uh, what is it you want to tell us? Gavino. He say his name Ramon Simon, but he Gavino. He tried to take away from me my girlfriend. Oh, when was this? Just before he shoot Mr. Singh and the other Hindu and run away. Uh, how do you know Gavino shot the Hindu? Well, I see it in the paper. Oh. When Gavino run away, this girl go away, too. Uh, what's the girl's name? 
Maria Thorne. She come from Stockton, and for a while I go with her. But Gavino say he wants her, and for me to keep away. Uh, do you know this girl's address in Stockton? Yes, it is here on this piece of paper. Oh, fine. Oh, thanks a lot, Garcia. This might be a big help. If you catch this, Gavino, you fix him good, no? Uh, you bet we will. Nearly two months went by, and the fugitives remained at large. And then police at San Jose telegraphed that Ponte owned Rengo had been seen and identified there. Instructions were wired back to arrest and hold him. And Sheriff George Camel left immediately by automobile for that city. Upon arriving, the prisoner was brought out for transfer back to El Centro. Is your man, Sheriff Campbell? Huh? Why? Well, that's not Rengo. Not Rengo. What do you mean? Just what I say. That's not the man I want. Are you sure? Positive. Here's a photograph of Ren Gore. Look for yourself. Why, George, I believe you're right. You'll admit there is a strong resemblance, though. Well, sure, but that doesn't help me any. Well, I'm sorry, Sheriff. Particularly after your long ride up here. Oh, well, these things happen once in a while. When are you leaving to go back to El Centro? Well, might as well go right away. I think I'll drive out to the highway by way of the foreign quarter just on the slim chance of seeing the man I'm looking for. Isn't that asking for a lot, Sheriff? <laughs> I guess maybe it is. Well, goodbye. goodbye. Bye, Sheriff. Sorry things worked out the way they did. Hawaii, bearing the return address of R. Simone. 
All information concerning Manzano was immediately dispatched to Sheriff Henry K. Martin of Hawaii County, Hawaii, who in turn gave it to Deputy Sheriff William J. Richter of Hamakua County, in which the town of Hanakao is located. Deputy Rickard had acted on the information at once, and within 48 hours had discovered Manzano working in a laundry under the name of Simone. Quietly and skillfully, he made the arrest, and Manzano, like Rengar, was unaware that he was in custody until the handcuffs were on his wrist. Placed in jail in Hilo, Manzano was then confronted by Ricard and Sheriff Martin. Well, Manzano, what have you got to say for yourself? I don't know what you mean. Oh, yes, you do. What have you got to say about that murder back in the States? You talk like you think I did it. Well, I didn't. You were there, weren't you? Then who did it? The two Filipino boys who were with me. They got mad at the Hindus because they thought they didn't give them enough pay. So they shoot them both. But you didn't have anything to do with that, is that it? No. I tried to save the Hindus and knock the gun out of my friend's hand, but it was too late. Now, you don't expect us to believe that, do you? I don't care whether you do or not. Well, how did you manage to get away from the California officers that were looking for you? I hire a friend to take me to San Diego after I go to a part of El Centro by walking. Then I went to Seattle by bus. Then in December, I come to Honolulu. I'm both from Vancouver. Pretty soon, I come to Hanukkah and work in laundry. Then I am arrested. Uh, just why did you come to the island? Because I have brother and some cousins here. Because I want to get away from police in Imperial Valley. Mm, that's what I thought. Well, I found out that your brother and your cousins would rather not have you here. They're afraid of you. Sure, they're afraid of me. Why? I didn't find you so tough when I arrested you. No. That's because you take me by surprise, but you wait and see. Wait for what? It's too late for you to do anything now, Manzano. You think so, eh? Then listen. They'll never take me to the United States alive, do you hear? Never, never, never! Word of Manzano's arrest was sent by Martin to Sheriff Camel at El Centro, and under Sheriff Clark was detailed to take the next boat to Honolulu in order to bring back his prisoners. But before the ship was four days at sea, Manzano had broken jail during the early morning hours of February 21st under the protection of a downpour of rain and disappeared into the island's dense morass of vegetation. Sheriff Martin immediately took personal charge of the search, assisted by his chief deputy, Peter N. Pachela. Oh, it was the pounding of this confounded rain that made it possible, Peter. How could anyone hear him sawing away in this downpour? It's just one of those things, Sheriff. He's been in jail just three weeks, and under our very noses, he made a saw blade out of a flat bucket handle. Well, we've got to get him again, that's all. You bet we've got to get him again. He's only been free a little while. We throw a cord and a motorcycle policeman around Hilo, say, around... Oh, territory six miles square. We ought to have him, sure. Sounds like a good idea to me. All right, then give orders to have this done right away. Then have as many police as can be spared search the territory between the lines. Won't be much chance of finding tracks, though. This, this rain will have washed them all out. I'll give orders in one, sir. isolated home of a Filipino. There it was found that Manzano had appeared soon after his escape and demanded food and clothing. Two motorcycle officers, Almas Costa and Cicero Bento, were therefore stationed to guard the hut in the event of the outlaw's return. Then, 
Early in the morning of the second day following Manzano's dash for freedom, these two officers were discussing the search while watching through one of the cottage windows. Do you suppose Manzano really will come back here? The Filipinos who live here seem to think so. They're scared to death. Yeah, I know. They have him figured out as a pretty desperate character. When he was here before, these people gave him most of the food in the house and a really good suit of clothes. They wouldn't have done that if they hadn't been afraid of him. The boys at the jail say Manzana swore that he'd never be sent back to the States alive. Do you suppose he meant the jailbreak or that he'd kill himself? I don't know. If he comes back here, he's as good as back in jail. You're right on that. I was just wondering if... Look. Over where I'm pointing. By those trees. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I see him. Manzano, all right. Naked as the day he was born. Tore his clothes off getting through that jungle, I guess. See there? He's looking around. Trying to figure out if it's safe to try for the house. Now he's coming this way. We'd better be quiet. So there's no chance of his hearing us. He stopped again. Suppose he heard us? No. He's making for the door again. Come on. Let's get out of sight and wait. It must be just outside the door now. All right, Manzano. You better surrender quietly. Oh, you, eh? Get me if you can. Hold on to me, Charlie. Let him get away. You think I can't get away? No, no, you can't. Get away. Let me look. Hurry, put the cops there. Let me look.
of any sort cannot pay. Thank you, Sheriff Ware. Sheriff's Office calling all cars. Attention all cars. The cancellation broadcast 281 regarding a murder. Suspects this case are now in custody. That's all. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsay, bidding you good night for Rio Grande. Remember, one week from tomorrow night, Monday, May 1st at 9 o'clock, Rio Grande will present the case of the bitter wine. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.